I, I respect the good things I've heard, and I respect when fans says, "Ah, why is it animated?" Okay, I get it, but you know, give it a chance and check it out, and I think they'll be surprised. George has really taught us a system of treating this animated process a lot more like live action. We weren't making this for television. We were making it for the big screen. I said, think of this as a feature. Everything about it, the style, attention to detail, the lighting, everything is done at a feature level, even though it's going on television. I, it's a Star Wars film in that what I mean is it's for everyone. Star Wars, I think, relates the world over, obviously, and it relates to young and old people. And certainly from a story perspective, you dropped some amazing contributions to Star Wars and the overall story of the prequels. One of the great things is you never treated the animation as something separate or different. It was just all part of the story. And that meant a lot because a lot of times in animation you delegate something else. Oh, it doesn't need to be as good. Or it's just that animation thing. And we kept pushing to say, but we want the visuals and the story to just be an extension of the films. That's art. That's evolving. You never want to sit still. I mean, that's why the last season of the show looks better than the first. Please join me in thanking Dave Filoni and George Lucas. the Chase Ascendancy Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chase Ascendancy. It is episode 90, the big 9-0. We're here and today we are going to cut right to the nitty gritty. We are talking about uh, the defense of Star Wars animation. And so uh, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to review the last two episodes of The Bad Batch. So season two, episodes three and four, which is The Solitary Clone. And uh, episode four is titled Faster. We'll get into that really quick. And then after that, we'll get into the meat of the episode, which is the defense of Star Wars animation. All right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So jumping right in, let me ask you this. Do you want to review episode four first, then episode three? <laughs> just, want to, just want to get four done faster is what I'm gathering. Yeah. Do, is it near, do you expect more like Daft Punk vibes? Uh, I just thought that it, I, I didn't know what it was going to be about, but I'm always You're game for, I was hoping for a pod race, a singular, you know, race is cool, <laughs> but I was hoping for pods. You, uh, sorry, this is very off topic. Did, did you ever play that that little app on your phone where it would be? It was like Daft Punk is like better, faster, stronger. Is what I was referencing. Anyway, I was think I think of Kanye whenever I hear that song. Maybe that 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 don't kill me, Kim. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's not the one I was going for. 
But anyway, uh, I I enjoyed four as much as you can enjoy any filler episode. I definitely feel it's superior to uh, the D Squad arc, which long listeners of the podcast <laughs> will know I'm not the biggest fan of. Um, but I I liked you know tech getting a little bit of attention just because I feel right. like he's a bit of a, of a of a middle character or back burner character. Like he's obviously part of the team, right? But he doesn't get right. a lot of face time. I feel like, or at least a lot of leadership time. Yeah, I would say that he's definitely like a strong background character. But the weird mm-hmm. thing about the batch is that they all specialize in something. So you would think mm-hmm. they'd each get their time in the sun. Um, but Hunter has such a dominant personality. Yeah, um, kind of like the A team, you know? Yeah, yeah. I guess he's like the uh, what's the guy that fl- that flies the helicopter? No, on the A team. Wrecker's definitely like BA and and Murdoch. Yeah, eight, he's not really. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't feel fair. that Tech is really any of them because he's definitely not face. Uh, man, deep cuts here, but yeah, Hunter is the uh, the Hannibal of the Bad Batch. I don't. I know love if they it when a plan like a, comes together. I don't know if they ever had a child sidekick. You remember when we would take those pants hangers and like cut them in half and like chew on them so we can pretend to be Hannibal. Yeah, so if you Mom guys don't know pissed. what we're talking about, whenever you get a, a clothes hanger, you would have the regular metal ones for shirts, and then for pants, you would have that little, the little cigar thing. Looks, and so we would, know. we would literally go into Dad's uh, tools and get pliers and snip the hangers and be like, "These aren't expensive." Which now that I'm an adult and I have to pay for plastic hangers, I realized how much money mom was Here's spending on thing. metal hangers. No, no, no. She wasn't. She was going to the dry cleaner and getting their hangers and taking them home. Zero percent um, chance she actually bought those hangers because I still have many of those wire hangers to this day with like the branded paper cover on. The, on the oh, that hanger. makes sense. Yeah, Just no, take the totally clothes sold. and then yeah. keep the hangers. Correct. Well, but yeah, no. Anyways, totally we would wire cut those. And then take the the little toilet paper tube off, and then cut them into little like three or four inch lengths and cigar smokers. We were got to be a family guy a team, right? We were darn close to being homeschooled. Yeah, there's got yeah, pretty much, pretty much. I seem to remember having watched it. So let's get into this. The um the episode faster was a fun change of pace mm-hmm. and um definitely something a little bit different from what we're used to but um give me obviously we have our you know normal way that we review episodes uh okay. five parts so number one overall thoughts rate it standout moment new characters what's next right go ahead number one overall thoughts on this one um overall thoughts i i enjoyed it it wasn't obviously the best episode of the back bad batch ever but you know they can't all be zingers uh so on the wake of some of the best bad batch content we've seen it's not like super surprising that we'd have something that's a little bit like oh yeah that was nice uh Mm -hmm. but i i enjoyed it because you know like i said i I enjoyed tech getting a bit of a showing so that's a Mm -hmm. rare treat a real treat a real treat governor a real treat (laughs) Remember the in uh, Chicken Run how they have the uh, badminton thing and they're like for parties, oh, for yeah. weddings. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the oh, the shuttlecock is what that's referred to as. 
<laughs> Did you know okay. that? The little no, piece of no idea. Yeah, it's called the shuttlecock. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you're you have to get right in there. In. You, you can't just say it back here. You got to go the shuttlecock. You know, like you're sounding on like a train PA or something. You got to be right in the listener's ear. That's funny. Um, Could you anyway. use it in a sentence, please? I lost my shuttlecock. <laughs> Please, sir, could I have another shuttlecock? <laughs> it's not tennis. Be gentle with my shuttlecock. <laughs> it's not going to go far. It's just a shuttlecock. <laughs> really, you can hit it... them as hard as they want, and you won't do a thing. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so funny. Anyway, your overall thoughts, sir. Uh, I thought it was good. It was, like you said, it was a fun change of pace. Um, and I liked all of the really cool um, seeing the pods. You know what? I, mm-hmm. I actually, what I really liked was I loved seeing um, Sid gambling mm-hmm. and um, having to uh, come face to face with some people that uh, it's rare that you see Sid not be like the main person in something. Kind of large and in charge, um, yeah. Yeah, so that was really cool. And to see her, um, it was cool to see her have a rival. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to that. think, uh, it was cool to see a uh, Doatin. That was cool. Yeah. I was, um, was going to pan, go there which next. is Panatus species uh, from the High Republic. And the first Doatin we see is on. Uh, is on Takodana and Maz's castle in The Force Awakens. Correct. Um, and it was cool. But when I first saw Doatin, I was like, is that a massively obese <laughs> Trandoshan? And it was cool because you had a Trandoshan working for the guy and you had a Gamorrean with a blaster, which mm-hmm. is neat because normally we see uh, them with hand-to-hand combat weapons. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. Um, so lots of cool visual things. Mm-hmm. And then getting to see um, the getting to see the the different racers and stuff was really cool. Yeah. And I cool noticed the, as uh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say it was cool to see um the different racers mm-hmm. and one of them happens to be a protocol droid with a battle droid head, which is a cool callback yeah. to episode 2 whenever C3PO's head <laughs> and a battle droid's head get switched. Yeah, well, there was there was one the protocol droid head, and then there was the uh, the droid assassin. That was a very cool inclusion there. Yeah, it was hard yeah, for me to be like, cool. oh, they're they're gonna you know they're gonna win. I felt like you know what I mean, just because you right. see the reflexes and stuff, and in combat, it's hard to compare that. Um, okay, so overall thoughts, it was it was fun. Basically, is yeah. kind of what we're getting to. Um, okay, so number two, rate it one to ten. One being for you, the D squad. Ten being. Episode three of this season. <laughs> um, I'll give it a I'll give it a six point five is where I landed on this one. Not okay. too heavy, not too light. All right, I'll match you there. Six point five works for me. Um, was there a standout moment for you? Um, standout moment. Um, I think it was cool to just kind of see. Um, like if Tuscans were pod racing, what that might look like, <laughs> just the weaponization of it. Uh, yeah, I thought that that was a cool concept, just kind of like bare knuckles boxing of pod racing. But also, uh, I thought it was cool to kind of see 
somebody else handling Sid because usually Sid's very large and in charge in a lot of her dealings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to have her be really at someone else's mercy for the first time, I think, ever on screen. Um, I think that that was kind of significant for that particular character because I don't feel like she's gotten a very broad character uh, mm-hmm. growth up to this point. Also, offhanded comment, uh, I've just looked at IMDb so I can be a better steward of my references, and uh, that is the total overall rating right now, a 6.5 for that episode. Is it? Yeah, uh-huh. we're pretty good at our jobs, guys. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Standout moment for me, uh, a couple of them. One was really cool whenever Tech is so analytical, and he was mm-hmm. like, um, I need to go faster, so I'm getting rid of my... Uh, weapons. I thought that was yeah. a cool moment. And then the moment that seemed more standout for the grand scheme of the entire show was when uh, the Doatin character, um, Sid's rival, I can't recall his name, but he mm-hmm. said, hey, you guys really stuck around whenever mm-hmm. she was up against the ropes because there's two bets where she loses the first one and then basically the guys put it together to win the race so that she can go free again. Um, and it was very interesting that he said, it's basically, it's nice of you to take care of her, but you have to realize with Sid, it's not always the other way around where she Mm -hmm. might not reciprocate or when things get hairy. So in my mind, that speaks to, it's a foreshadowing of the future where something's going to get hairy down the road and Mm -hmm. Sid's going to just up and leave them hanging, uh, hanging out to dry. So Mm -hmm. I think that was an, that was probably the most serious moment where it was like oh hang on this was a really fun just joyride episode but it Definitely. does foreshadow maybe she's going to give them up for the right price of the empire because you have to remember she's talking about hey <clears throat> in previous episodes this season or maybe early on in this episode i can't recall which one but at some point she's talking about the fact that the empire's closing in on what she's got going on too and, mm-hmm. and she's only going to be running that rig for so long. And so the same way that she's trying to send the Bad Batch on these missions that are basically... Because I assume if they come back with a war chest from, you know, freaking Sereno, she's going to say, hey, here's how much you get. Now where's my cut? And we'll both cut out of here. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe if the, the right price to betray the Batch comes about, we'll yeah. see that happen. So that was a moment that stood out to me. Um, new characters. There's a handful. We talked about the uh, the Doatin gangster um, what's that cat's name? Can you find that guy's name for me? Um, and so while we're talking about that guy, he was a, he was a cool character. And then, um, I also really liked Teo, the droid. Mm-hmm. Um, he was really, really spicy and, uh, they kind of continue the, word. uh, what spicy. It's, yeah. For that particular character. It was, was a very, snazzy. very on brand character for the guy who does the voice uh ben schwartz was the secondary voice for bb8 alongside bill Hader. so it's cool to see that he's back in the swing of things um so yeah that was a really really cool uh character i thought that he was neat um i don't think that we're gonna see this guy again <laughs> i don't think so either yeah um let's see and i can't remember that guy's name oh grinny malegi Potentially, I'm I'm coming up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There I'm he dry. is. Trying to find that guy's name. Granny Malegi is the Dowaton character, and so it's wild because it turns out he might actually be the more reliable character. Not that I think Isn't we'll see him again. 
but yeah. he's the one that was like, watch out for Sid. So that was cool. Um, okay. We'll go to what's next. Well, we'll sk- let's skip what's next for this guy because it's a standalone and it seems like it's mm-hmm. kind of a filler. Uh, I think if there's anything we've kind of predicted what's next as far as later down the season, perhaps Sid crosses the gang. Um, yeah. And or, maybe or this she's challenged to kind of, you know, maybe revise some of her previous patterns due to how they've treated her. Right. Yeah. So that's the that's uh, the episode faster. There's a simple 15 minute review for you. Nothing too crazy. Um, probably longer than we even needed to give it. Now, nothing too. Let's fancy. focus on episode three, the solitary clone. Woo hoo Um, This was a great, great, great episode. Probably my favorite episode of the Bad Batch to date. Maybe number one all time. I think so. Wow. And and I and I think the reason is just because of. The overall, the overarching uh, um, implications to where things are going. Mm-hmm. I really, really liked it. And mm-hmm. um, there's just a lot of stuff going on. So um, Tales of the yeah. Jedi came out not too long ago. We'll have to do a whole mm-hmm. freaking Tales of the Jedi uh, episode eventually. But, um, yeah, you know, the way Blast Points did a cool thing where they split it and they did an episode talking about the Ahsoka arc. And they did an episode talking about the Dooku arc which mm. I think is a great idea. Yeah, that's um, a great way to do that. But this episode is so intense because all of the sudden, you know, you're... It's so weird because all of a sudden, watching Clone Wars the entire time, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. Grand Army of the Republic, let's go, you know? We're, yeah. You know, we're on, the, we're on the side of the Plastic Boys. And uh, then all of a sudden, you're like, rooting for the separatists you're rooting for the characters that you were just rooting against this last show so um, we're on the world of desix and on desix they're holding out and basically what's really interesting is uh i never thought of this before uh but if you have separatists and they're an independent you know the cis stands for the confederacy of independent systems so basically all of these planets that are doing their own thing are willing to bond, you know, bond together against the Republic for mm-hmm. the sake of freeing all systems um, and against the corruption of the Republic. And then, of course, the Republic's side of things is we have a really good thing going. We have a really good conglomerate going. The Senate, you know, is there for everyone. Why are yeah. we trying to screw things up? And then yeah. as soon as the empire is formed, it's not the Republic is now the empire and the CIS remains the CIS and mm-hmm. they have to pay taxes to the Republic for repairs or whatever. It's the Republic is now the empire and the separatists are also the empire now. <laughs> Whether or not they which like is, it. Yeah. Come on in, the water's fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're in it whether you like it or not. Yeah, that's why. So uh, it's really it's really wild. So. Um, you're on this planet of Desix and the, you know, the freaking uh, Imperial shuttle, you know, the classic, mm-hmm. you know, kind of Palpatine, Vader, Imperial shuttle looking uh, ship comes down and uh, Governor, I think the character's name is Groton, uh, comes off the ramp Seems and he has ring well with me. He has uh, those TK stormtroopers with him, mm-hmm. which is. There's a lot going on there, right? Because you realize, okay, they're phasing out the clones rather rapidly. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he makes his way to the city gates and is basically like, hey, guys, we're here to help. <laughs> and the people are like, we don't need your help. And they have the cool kind of infus nesty kind of vibe to them. Yeah, that's definitely what I was reminded of. Um, and the the lady that's there, it actually turns out is her name is Tawny Ames. And it's wild because she kind of seems like a gang leader here. But it turns mm-hmm. out that she's she was actually a politician that was a part of the CIS. She was a part mm-hmm. of um, the understanding of the corruption of the Republic long before it came to light as the Empire. And so that's all going on. And right. You see, you know, he's coming in and he's got the very posh, like, we're here to help, whether you want help or not. And they pull a he, gun on him. He thinks he's who Tarkin actually is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, he he is uh, he is the the Instagram model Tarkin versus <laughs> actual model Tarkin. Um, and so it's crazy because he walks in and he thinks he's got it all going on. And then on the wall, the city walls behind him, you see all these B1 battle droids. And again, it's that weird moment where you're rooting against the Empire. Therefore, the enemy of your enemy is your friend. So all of a sudden, the B1s root- are cool. I was rooting for the Empire. In that specific instance? Yeah, the whole episode. Well, yeah, you're rooting for the Empire when Crosshair comes into the picture. But no, this jack episode. Oh no! Anybody who comes in like a chotch like that guy, I was like, hopefully this guy gets killed. No, because um, the 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 stormtrooper armor still looks enough like clone trooper armor. I'm like, these guys are all right. <laughs> these are the good boys. Okay, I, so I tell can't me... get behind the B1 battle droid thing. I just, I they're the enemy, you know. <clears throat> I think well, it's hard me... for me to root for them too because they're like so goofy in the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah, but I dig it. Yeah, can you dig it? So tell me your overall thoughts of this overall episode thoughts. as a whole, because we kind of oh. set the scene now. The scene yeah. is we're on we're on Desix. The Empire's trying to take over. There's still a stronghold. The Imperial governors are being held captive by this lady, Tawny Ames, and her company of B1 battle droids. And she also has a tactical droid, which is dope. Yeah, and then cool. it sets the stage for Admiral Rampart is sending in Crosshair doesn't trust crosshair to lead Mm -hmm. so he's being put under the command of someone else who happens to be cody and that's where everything comes out and i'm I'm sure if you've seen the episode you know what goes on from there but give me your overall thoughts on the episode um i was very interested in the dynamic of um like we were the clones and we were the grand army of the republic and we were all on board and now all of a sudden um the governor's talking about how all these clones are just going AWOL. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not maybe necessarily that they're phased out. It's that they've kind of had time to sit around and think about what they did. And they're like, well, maybe this wasn't the right choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, yeah. So it was kind of this cool, I don't know, understanding of both parties where um, it, it reminds me very much of, I think it's the intro of uh, episode three where it says there's heroes on both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's there are people on, on the other side of the war that are that are kind of doing just their best. Uh, like I, I, I've introduced uh, Tori. We're almost now through all the Star Wars movies where we've got episode right. nine left to watch. And uh, Tori first, I was like, oh, I love Kylo. And she's like, well, and I was like, well, you know, he's just he's just a guy trying his best. And, you know, uh, she, she didn't understand it for a minute. And then we got half the way through episode eight. And she's like, oh, I get it. Like he's he's he really is just trying his best like the whole time. Um, and I think that that's like the vision you get a lot of the characters 
um, even Crosshair really at this point because he's still kind of scrambling, trying to find his place, just trying yeah. his best. You know what I mean? And so, um, I, I just I I'm very fascinated by the idea of really nobody who we're really rooting for for the most part is in the wrong. You know, what I mean? right. there's the there's the governor on the planet. She's not really wrong. You know, she's fighting for her planet and her independence that she had already kind of preserved in the last war. And mm -hmm. then, you know, you have the the clones who are going on what they believe is the greater good, you know, and they're not really wrong. And so I don't know. I always love that when a conflict's not necessarily black and white, that they're uh I don't know. It's the whole DJ thing, right? That I told I was telling Tori, I was like, Hey, mm -hmm, this is my, mm -hmm. my favorite new character in the whole movie. And she's like, Why? And I said, I'll tell you why when it comes up. And it was, you know, just the scene where she's like, you know, I can't believe what you've done. You know, you're terrible. You're the wrong person, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, maybe, maybe, you know, and it's, it's just the whole, I don't know, complete willingness to just admit that. Yeah, maybe I'm not in the right. You right. Know? And I, I, I love that because everybody in that whole movie is so self-righteous for the most part. And so right, just right. this one character, he's like, maybe, yeah, I might, I might've done, I might've screwed up. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think I, I really like this episode and I think, you know, they're doing such a great job of making Crosshair more and more compelling. Mm -hmm. um, that's the that's your the best villain is the villain that's doing what they think is the right thing. Right. Or they're 100 percent or, you know, every once in a while you have a character like the Joker that's like, I'm just I'm all in on screwing things up for everybody. <laughs> but, in a in a way he has his convictions too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's like, I'm going a direction really fast. I don't know what that direction is, but I am full speed ahead. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. and it's, it's interesting. Cause uh, you know, you have crosshair who really does think he's doing the right thing. And it's weird because this whole time we thought that he was just being a Jack a, but it turns out he really does believe what he's doing is correct. And mm -hmm. he really does. He, he, he's doing it because good soldiers follow orders. He's not just doing right. it because of the chip. He said he removed the chip, all of these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, he meets with Cody and Cody has the grayed out, uh, armor, it's which sick. is freaking it's cool. Cause dope. he still has all his mods, right? He's still got the little antenna and his visor and everything, but it's just everything's the out. same. It's just grayed out, which is yeah, dope. That's sick. Um, and I think, but I also think that's really like that's subtle storytelling too, right? Because it's like, mm -hmm. as the, uh, you know, as the leader of the 212th uh, division, it's the classic, oh, that's Cody's people that has that cool yellow orange color. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the, that's the 212th. Yeah, the very subtle you know what I mean? robbing them of their independence. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it, it goes from that to, oh, okay, he's. He's just a, he's just a number now, you know, mm -hmm. which we get into a little bit later as well. So yeah, you have, you have, there's like, what happened to Cody? Yeah. Like who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you have to remember the last time we saw Rampart, he just shot a clone trooper point blank just to save face with Tarkin. Yeah, wild. And then you have Crosshair who's loyal to a fault. And it's weird too, because, and, and I don't quite understand this. Um, at the very beginning, you have this moment where Crosshair is getting breakfast and he sits down and uh, these other clone troopers won't sit with him mm -hmm. and they get up and they move. And it's crazy because I, I would think if you have the clone troopers who are left behind, who obviously executed the order 
and then the Bad Batch never really melded because they were a different group. They didn't. They thought that the regs were, you know, the shinies were lame or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but here you have these clones who have done, you know, follow the order and everything. And Crosshair comes to sit down. I would have thought that they would be like, okay, so you're the good one. Like you're the one that's still stuck around, but they don't want anything to to do with them. So yeah. he goes to sit down and they move tables. And then before poor guy can even eat his breakfast, <laughs> he gets called to the principal's office. I think yeah. the reason he's so pissy all the time is because he never gets to eat. Yeah, I was getting funny. irritated. I was like, <laughs> second day in a row, no breakfast. I was getting kind of pissed. Um, yeah. So I think for the other clones, I mean, he never, they never got along. I think for Crosshair, it's like same day, different dance, you know, right. or I guess different day, same dance. I don't know how the expression goes. You know what I mean though? Yeah. And uh, same stuff, different other, day. Yeah. And I think for the other clones, it's like, oh, okay, this is just the mud of the mutts. You know what I mean? Like he couldn't even get accepted with his own crew. Yeah, maybe um, instead of it being like, oh, he's the good clone that had the sense to stay around, maybe it's the opposite, like you're saying, and yeah. it's like, dang, he's the only one that didn't have the balls to leave. Yeah. They you know? Like, wow, he's not even fitting in with his own group anymore. So they go to Desix, and Rampart really puts uh, uh, Crosshair's face back in his dookie. You know, whenever a dog craps in the house, and you're like, look what you did, don't you ever poop in the house again? <laughs> no, and no, so, no, no, no. Yeah, he's like, how long <laughs> were you? <laughs> how long were you on Camino? And I can't remember how many rotations he says, but he basically was stranded on Camino for several weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, whenever they, uh, he's like, so how, how many men am I leading? And he's like, you're not ready for a freaking leadership role. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking his tea, uh, so Beautiful. he puts him under Cody. But what's cool is that uh, you can see that Crosshair has a respect for Cody right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I mean, there's you a very, very the guy interesting. That you think killed Obi-Wan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting because Crosshair's like, okay, cool. Here's a kindred spirit. And contrary to what I thought would happen, I always imagined that Cody just stuck to his guns and always followed orders. And I mm-hmm. thought him and Rex did like this. I just, that was my mentality, you know? And when Cody walks up, Cody actually has a lot of questions. Cody has mm-hmm. a lot of guilt, remorse. And one of the yeah, first topics like that him looking and, at the world war two Memorial. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's deep in thought, you know? Yeah. And it's, and what's cool is that Memorial is actually a Memorial of all the clone troopers that died on at the battle of Geonosis. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking up at this wall and it's like, here's a whole freaking wall full of my brothers that died at the very first battle of this war that looking back makes zero sense. And mm-hmm. we're still fighting a war and still nobody agrees. And now we brought peace, but somehow we're still out here fighting <laughs> and a bunch of my brothers didn't comply. Mm-hmm. So what's the right thing? You yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, and Cody has the, the will and the power to be an individualist where Crosshair maybe lacks that, you know, mm-hmm. you think he's the individual, but he's the only one weak enough I think not he's to the be only the individual that wants to fit in. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think of all of them, he might be the most regular. Yeah. And in a weird way, right there. He, he's, yeah. he's like, I don't know. I could see where he should be able to fit in and still be a leader because he is mostly the same, but still better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's a very compelling um, character. So 
the cool thing is they get to Desix and we'll kind of speed through the rest of the thing. But it's, long story short, uh, they shoot down the Republic gunship to where it's basically a hand, like maybe one or two other clones, Cody and Crosshair. Mm-hmm. And they go through a thing back and forth where Crosshair is dead to rights with the assassin droids and mm-hmm. Cody saves his life. And even though he can barely move, they're looking for a way to kill the assassin or the, uh, the tactical droid, because if they if, if they cut the head off the snake, you know, the body mm-hmm. flounders. And, bro, the freaking moment. So, I guess this is my standout moment. So, I'm yeah, getting ahead of a little bit. To be, right? But he's like, you know, Cody's like, where do you want the puck? And Cross is like, as far as you can throw it. And yeah. he throws it, and it makes no freaking sense whatsoever but he sh- he freaking shoots it in midair and it yeah. gets to the tactical droid and they take over and then you have a moment where Tawny Ames is talking to Cody and is like we thought we had peace and yeah. then nothing was working and there was corruption so we dissented and then there was war for no reason they could have just let us be and mm-hmm. then you thought you achieved peace when the empire rose and now there's still no peace there's never going to be peace don't you understand and Cody's yeah. like well we can try and then Crosshair's you can see like, the, the clone that served under General Kenobi really come to the front. Trying to reason, right? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, then he, they negotiate for her to release uh, the Imperial, um, what's his name? Uh, Governor Groton. And she's like, "Let okay, hey, no hard feelings. Let me go. We'll figure this out. And then as soon as she releases him, he pulls the classic, you know, British uh, East India Trading Company <laughs> move, and it's like now kill her. And uh, Cody's like, "Yo, what the heck?" And oh, Crosshair's like, an Pew! but not for me." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so they kill Tawny Ames, and by the time Cody can turn around and be like, "Yo, what the heck just happened?" Crosshair's helmet's back on, and he's walking the freak away. Yeah, and then less. right after that, he's getting breakfast. It's called the principal's Again. office, doesn't eat any breakfast. And then he has an assignment and they assign him to someone else. And he goes, what happened to Cody? And he says, you know, who's Cody, which another, another little dig, right? So you take away your individuality of his color of his armor. And then it's the, you don't have a name. Your C, yeah. your CT two, 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 four, I think is his, is his number. And uh, you can hear in his voice. He's like, CT two, 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 four. Like he's pissed mm-hmm. off that he has to say it because that's Cody. Dang it. Like you should, you yeah. know who that is. You know what I'm saying? Like freaking ramparts being a dick by just not acknowledging yeah. the name. Um, and so it says, Oh yeah, he's a wall. And that's like the whole freaking. it's like, Oh dang yeah. Cody, who was like the most devout of us all is now yeah. gone. So give me your rating on this guy. One to 10. Uh, on a I'm scale a of D squad to Mortis. I'm going to give it a solid nine, nine and a half. It's it pretty up there for me. Okay. I'm going to say overall animation. I'll give it a nine and a half for a bad batch. I'll give it a 10. It's my favorite bad batch to date. Okay. I respect and it. part of, part of that is for the idea of what it brings to the table and what could be next. So the fourth yeah. part of every review is new characters. Tawny Ames is there. Governor Groton's there. Nothing super crazy. Mm-hmm. Moving the forward yeah. to the fifth 
part, which is what's next, not meaning what happens next episode, because we've already talked about that. But in the grand scheme of things, what does this mean for the batch? What does it mean for Cody? And what does it mean for Crosshair? Yeah, I don't know if um, I don't know if we ever see Cody again. I don't know if it's uh, like he just kind of, you know, he's just he's just out there now Um, because there's so many AWOL clones at this Mm -hmm. point. Um, and I, I don't know that they're going to do, um, I, since they never connected him to rebels, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That it was, he never like met up with the rest of the like ACE defuncties. Uh, he might just be gone forever, but I think that that was really a blow for crosshairs morale. Uh, right. Cause I think he's now starting to see that. I mean, clearly he doesn't give a care about the morality of it all in the sense of, like he didn't absolutely just shoot that chick after a negotiation that he was right there for. But he, uh, I think he's starting to like maybe question whether or not he has a place there. Right. You know, whether or not he'll ever be welcome. Yeah, exactly. Which I think to him is one of the most important things. Yeah. He's still trying to earn his stripes. He's trying to figure Mm -hmm. out where he fits in all this. And if good soldiers follow orders and that's what you should do, like, you know, just obey, Mm -hmm. then, why is he sitting alone at breakfast that he never gets to eat? And why is he, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So what's the deal, you know? Well, and and Cody so is like the guy that he was supposed to serve under. Now Cody is, you know, just out and nobody cares. You know, I think he's really starting. Cause I, I think about crosshair a lot just cause I think he's one of the most relatable and that he has the most human like once, I think in interaction with the other clones. Sure. And, uh, I think a lot about how he was hurt by Hunter. Like he wasn't just pissed off. You know what I mean? Like he was really deeply hurt. Right. Um, that in a way he chose Omega over Crosshair. Um, I think that's how Crosshair sees it at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the fact that there's no lo- there's no return loyalty. It's almost mm-hmm. very much like the, the rest of the batch was warned with Sid. You know, that that loyalty that you may or may not display isn't going to be returned. It's not, you know, it's not reciprocal. Right. Um, so I, I think that there's a lot more question marks um, within Crosshair than there were at the beginning of the episode. And I, uh, I'm curious to see if he either uses that to dive like more deeply into his pursuit of the rest of the Bad Batch, because obviously mm-hmm. he's going to be the one that's coming for him again. Um, or if he's going to maybe try and reunite. Yeah. Which Kylo are we going to get? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. There was always a part of me that. I knew light has to win at the end of nine, but how crazy would it be if Kylo doubled down and killed Ray right. and Palpatine was like, good. Right. Um, so, okay. For me, what's next? Same thing. Two sides of the same coin. Does this make him double down? You know, mm-hmm. is he the, is he the guy that just, he's, he's just going out, you know, going out in a blaze of yeah. glory. He's, he's too far now, you know? And so you've got that. And then, but then you have, you know, it's called the solitary clone. So it's like the whole episode, he was kind of by himself, but then he had Cody and Cody was someone that he knew. And Cody was someone that he could rely on. And Cody was someone that even uh, trusted him a little bit, you know, trusted him a little bit and was on his level. So he could respect him. He's not just one of these regular, you know, schmegular guys. Right now he's gone. His reasoning is, you know, there's that clip and uh, I'll try to find it to put it in here. But there's that clip where he says the difference between us and the droids is that we make our own decisions, but we also have to live with them. 
And I thought that was a really powerful line. That's kind of a moment that is going to stick with Crosshair. And I honestly think, oh, here's a long-term thing, okay? Two, two thoughts, one of two veins that we could go in. Crosshair, if he doubles down, we'll see maybe on Tantus, he's going to either be the prototype for either Dark Trooper Phase Zero, which is when they mm -hmm. replaced all of the Clone Troopers internals with cyborg parts, or mm -hmm. he's going to be the first person that gets their brain kind of scrambled and altered to be the first Death Trooper. One of those two, I think, is what's going to happen. He's going to double down, and somewhere on Mount Tantus, he's going to become that, and the Batch either has to rescue him from it, or that's his fate, is that he's yeah. going to be that, that character. So yeah. those yeah, are my thoughts. That's what's next. To see him be like the Order 66 of clones. You know what I mean? That he's, right. he's the Anakin sent into the Jedi Temple. It would be right. interesting to see that kind of happen with him. I think yeah. he's got the same emotional mixture. I think it's a very real possibility from all the pieces that we have of that character. Mm -hmm. So that's our uh, review of the last two episodes of The Bad Batch. Hopefully you guys are caught up. Um, now let's switch veins a little bit. We're already 40 minutes into this episode, but we're going to get into the Oopsie. meat of this episode, which <laughs> is episode 90 of the Chistus Sinisi podcast, which is in defense of Star Wars animation. So yeah. don't don't miss it. All right. So switching <laughs> veins here. over to the B side of the cassette now. <laughs> rewind. Yeah. Man, what a flashback. Okay. So we, we wrote down and uh, we got together and would you say you have friends that are like legitimate Star Wars fans that just cannot get over the idea of getting into Star Wars animation? Uh, I, I think, yeah. Again, heroes on both sides, right? Uh, <laughs> I think, I don't, I don't know what the holdup is though. Cause I, I tell everybody, I'm like, I get it. It's animation, but at the same time, it's some right. of the best Star Wars content. Right. Um, and I, I remember one of the guys I knew in college, um, and he wasn't like a big prequels person anyway, mm -hmm. but I was saying that if you watch the Clone Wars, it makes the prequels what you want them to be. Like it, right. it kind of has all the, has all the bindings and the, and the reasonings and the in-between characters and the, uh, I think you get, just get a lot more depth. Like after you watched all of the Clone Wars, episode three hurts a lot more, even, even just the oh, yeah. opening scene where you know, oddball gets shot off. You know what I mean? Like that, that seemed yes. absolutely nothing yes. to me. And then I watched the Clone Wars and I was like, Oh, oddball, <laughs> you know, it's just yes. like this character that you would think absolutely nothing about otherwise. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. I've, I've encountered people that will like star Wars, but it's almost like guys that, uh, won't drink like fruity drinks. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. You're like it's disgusting beer for me or it's nothing. You know, yeah, it's nerf or nothing. It does taste yeah. good. <laughs> you know, that's awesome. That's a good, that's a good comparison. And I would say I do. I, I a hundred percent know people, um, that, that will talk to me about star Wars that love how much ridiculous star Wars stuff. I know will ask me the most random question just to see if I can answer it, mm -hmm. but they just will not get into animation. So tonight we're, we've got five reasons for the average or or deeper Star Wars fan to take the dive into animation. All right. So we're not going to take forever, but we're going to get you through five reasons. And I think they're five great reasons. 
Maybe, <laughs> maybe the best should. reasons, five <laughs> of the greatest reasons, maybe ever, uh, for maybe you to get into Star like Wars animation. Splice, splice this episode and, and flip it so they're like, oh, okay, now that I'm thinking about animation, what are some things that I could look forward to? Yeah. I so, think if anybody got this far, they they watched the animation, but yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that's reflecting. fair. We're going for it. <laughs> we're doing it. Um, okay. So five reasons. Okay. Here we go. Number one, uh, more Star Wars is always better, right? More so, and, and here's, here's my thought on that. Okay. A lot of people, there's been a lot of things that have come out since the Disney purchase, right? In mm -hmm. like 2012 or 13 or something along those lines. A lot of stuff has come out. Okay. And there's been a lot of stuff that people didn't like, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you liked The Force Awakens, but you didn't like The Last Jedi. And then Rise of Skywalker was okay. Or maybe you loved The Force Awakens, loved The Last Jedi, didn't like The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> or maybe you loved The Mandalorian, but the book of Boba Fett was a little too goofy and you couldn't get over the uh, the, the Smarties bag of you know <laughs> Vespa speeders that are whatever. But you loved Andor because it's a little bit more realistic. Or maybe you love the Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett because of the star power, but Andor was a little too slow and a little too uh, Earth-like and human-like for you. There's just all kinds of things out there, right? And my answer, my response to that is always, I will take the things that I didn't like as much mm -hmm. to get more Star Wars because right. ultimately, as a Star Wars fan as a hardcore deep star Wars fan whose favorite character is Boba Fett. And then my, who's like, everybody knows who he is. And then my second favorite character is grand Admiral Thrawn who up until <laughs> just recently, nobody or a lot of people didn't know who he was. Yeah. I love that for every time I have to hear Rose say, I want to put my fist through that, terrible, beautiful town or whatever the line is that makes lousy, me... beautiful town. Though. Yeah. Ugh. The line that, the line that Ugh. makes me go, okay, whatever. Or for every <laughs> like, time, can we skip ahead to those cool goat horses already? Like, <laughs> right. Like for every time that I'm watching the last Jedi and Bobby Snoke and Kylo sick. are sick, but the yeah. waste of Hux and the stupid, your mom joke at the beginning of the last Jedi that I loathe for every time I, I think that came out, we also got Boba Fett fighting Cad Bane in the streets of Mos Espa using a Tuscan gaffy stick that he and that he made by himself after going on a freaking peyote trip in the Dune <laughs> Sea and he rides a Rancor. I'll take the weird Canto Bite side trip that doesn't really make sense and it doesn't really amount to anything. Not that I, I, I don't hate it because there's some fun stuff in there, but I don't understand it. I'll take that if I get to have Kylo Ren and I'll take some of the weirdness and I'll take the controversy of if Ray's a Skywalker or not to get to have the book of Boba Fett or to finally have a show called the Mandalorian. Cause yeah. back when, back when I was younger, you know, I'm, I'm 29. So when I was, you know, anywhere between 10 and 15, 16 years old, no, there were people who didn't know what this jacket was. And, and for those of you who are listening audio only, I'm wearing a Mark Echo Boba Fett jacket, <laughs> right? And and if they did know it looked like Star Wars, nobody knew what the mythosaur was on the shoulder. And it's so wild to me that in 2023, so many people know what the mythosaur is or they know it's associated with the Mandalorian. And yeah. that is 
that is thanks to the fact that we have more Star Wars. So more Star yeah. Wars is always better. That's my first point. Reminds me of, uh, I was at Walmart one time. So that should have been my first clue of where the conversation was headed. Uh, <laughs> but the the cashier had a uh, a mythosaur key. You remember like when uh, land, key lanyards, they were all the rage. Right, right, and, right. And uh, he had a. Get a mythosaur in London. Key, key lanyard. Mm -hmm. Smoking's all the rage in London. <laughs> Sorry, I have to get that out. Maybe negative one people will get that reference. But anyway, uh, and I was like, oh, cool. He's like, you like Mandalorians? And he's like, no, it's Boba Fett. And I was like, okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, well, this conversation's taken three very abrupt steps backwards uh, <laughs> right out of the gate. And I was like, well, you That's know. That's awesome. Bo Boba Fett is a Mandalorian. He's like, no. And I was like, just give me my receipt, man. <laughs> like this is always to my. I don't have time for a philosophical debate on this. Yeah, which it wasn't even that deep with that guy. Yeah, yeah. No, That's he amazing. was just like he was so like confrontational about it right out of the gate, and I was like, "You're never mind." You know what? It's That's amazing. I shunned cast my pearls before swine. You know, right, right. <laughs> whole... That's funny. Okay, the Gamorians aren't going to get my uh, my crate dragon pearls. You know what Dude, I mean? Dude, we never would have gotten the infamous Saucert and Bacons, which my buddy Brody, that runs the officially Star Wars account, he's got a big enough following online that he was like, love these guys, Saucert and Bacons. And people online started to be like, my favorite part is the pun that these pig names are Saucert and Bacons. And it was like, he just made it up, but the whole, this huge <laughs> swath of online readers and listeners were like, how silly is it that they're calling these pigs sausage and bacon? Anyways. <laughs> um, okay. Hit me with point number two. So point number one, more Star Wars is always better. Number two, what do we got? More Star Wars is always better Star Wars. Uh, point two, animation can tackle the kooky monsters that would be very, very hard to get. Not to be action. confused with the cookie monster, but <laughs> I'm kooky. I'm Speaking of key lanyards, I had a Cookie Monster key lanyard for many yes, years. Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, but for instance, like the the Zillow Beast, right? It's got what seventeen arms. It it has an odd number of appendages, which just to me is still like he has it like just an arm drove, coming out of his back or something. I, drove yeah. my nuts. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I. But you have this cool, impervious to any sort of attack monster that is a right. prototype for you know what I mean. That you you've seen the story. Or, you know, Bindu, you have, you know, just this lion turtle in the sky that's thwarting Thrawn's plans. You right. Know, and you just, it's hard to. And we'll put pictures uh, and graphics and stuff on the screen for those who are watching who haven't seen these characters. Um, yeah. But the Zillow Beast, you know, is this weird character that was impervious to lightsaber blades or any kind of energy, anything. Mm -hmm. any and energy weapon. it somehow gets out on Coruscant and Palpatine's like. I it's Star Wars Godzilla, this. man. Right. Yeah. And you and you can tell Palpatine's thinking, imagine what would happen if clones could have that armor, how much easier Order 66 right. would be to do. And then it's like, is what's is just going to happen sometime? What's going to happen? Like, it's a weird <laughs> yeah. question that's all the way out there. But yeah. animation can tackle things and concepts and ideas and creatures that would cost a, a jillion dollars to animate mm -hmm. realistically in a live action show. Mm -hmm. So the same way that a book can paint someone's emotions because you're literally reading right. the emotion, animation can can tackle some concepts that maybe down the road make sense, mm -hmm. but 
animation can tackle a world between worlds so that once we see something like that in live action, it's paved the way for it already. Yeah. Or I like to think of uh, the way that it kind of makes characters um, more what you would like them to be based on novelization. So we can talk about what Palpatine was supposed to be in episode three and Ian McDermott was saying, I can't do this fight scene because I know what Palpatine's capable of. And I'm simply not, I'm not that guy, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Cause in the, and you in see the him kind of, you yeah, see him and, like swirling and twirling across the room and you're like, right. oh, yeah, I could like, I don't understand how that Jedi master didn't flex that. But if you're reading the books, you're like, oh, he's, you can't track track him with the naked eye. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So. It's like in the force scream, like, you know, puts them to some kind of like, fear and trembling like pause mm -hmm. and then it's so quick it's just a blur and mace is the only one who has mm -hmm. the 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 mental fortitude to hold his own for that fight which yeah. is also and how i know that palpatine threw the fight to draw in anakin but we'll not get into it. <laughs> or or i mean then that as opposed to the fight that you have on mandalore where palpatine is literally toying with maul and savage press mm -hmm. just doing like these absolutely insane off the wall moves cackling right. the whole time you know mary as mary as the day is long and uh <laughs> that's just not you can't get that palpatine in in regular live action films you know what i mean right. so even beyond just the cool creatures that um you didn't get i mean i i remember still being like dumbfounded seeing the quality of the the creatures in the force awakens you know when you're seeing them as in that first village and you have right. this very human expression on this alien face but um, for the most part, you don't get that type of mm -hmm. interaction outside of animation. It just doesn't happen. Totally. Yeah, there's just things you can you can do and create and, and put out mm -hmm. there. Um, and Dave even talks about finding ways to make animation look better, but also more cost effective and just like push the envelope. And there's a clip somewhere uh, where he talks about being so grateful that when George and him started working on Clone Wars together, that George took it just as seriously as he would a live action movie mm -hmm. or show, which I thought was really cool. Um, yeah, okay. It's the same reason in reverse that Avatar The Last Airbender live action didn't work. Right. <laughs> that you just get these things in animation, you don't get them live action. Yeah. And, and if it does work, it's, it's, uh, it's a shooting star. It's very rare that something that's popular right. animation-wise makes sense in live action like a Avatar Last Airbender, Dragon Ball Z type of thing. You'd have to right. put in Avatar uh, on the, the Pantora Avatar with the blue alien, the Navi. You have to put <laughs> right. in that type of money for it to make physical and visual sense. Right. Um, okay, so they can tackle things. More Star Wars is better Star Wars. Number three, expanding. And this is a whole freaking whole podcast episode in itself. Expanding... <laughs> our knowledge, our understanding, and our relationship with the clone troopers of the Grand Army of the Republic. Mm -hmm. um, the, yeah. you know, the more Star Wars is better Star Wars concept comes into play here immensely mm -hmm. because of the oddball. That's a big deal that dies in the beginning right. of episode three and the execution of 66 and it being, you know, it being a mental wall that they have to get past to obey the order or the chip working, but then as time goes on, it, whether the chip is decaying or just their own uh, convictions getting the better of them, struggling with Order 66. And mm -hmm. when it's just, 
Yes, sir. Right away, sir. You don't feel that. But when you meet a character like Fives, who has deep convictions to understand why his brothers are acting in a strange way when a clone trooper just randomly says good soldiers follow orders and fires on a Jedi. What's the deal with that? How does that work? There's a whole freaking right. arc of it. My favorite arc in the whole Clone Wars, I think, is that arc where Fives is investigating because every time mm -hmm. I'm watching it, I'm like, he's going to catch them. They're going to I I'm right. so invested in the story. I'm like, they're going to undo. They're going to stop Order 66 from happening. And part of that right. is the, how compelling the storytelling is mm -hmm. of that of that arc. So, you know, what what is your feeling on the relationship that we get to have with the clone troopers because of animation? I don't think that. I'm not going to say it's impossible, Okay, but let's just think about the way the clones look in episode two, your first look and how actually identical they all were because they had to be, you know, that it was just right. unfeasible to have Tamora Morrison also have all these different haircuts and face tattoos. Right. You know, they had to, I mean, they already took so many freaking shots of him eating, you know what I mean? Just to have that unique like interplay of all the same but different as opposed to the differentiation we get mm -hmm. in in the bad batch or in the clone wars or in rebels that you know they not only look different but they sound different because we have you know bradley d baker who's going to be thinking that intensely about you know this character is in this headspace so this is how they're going to they're talking talk a little bit different this way you know and i think right just those differentiations would be very, 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 very hard to manage um, long term. I mean, even just thinking about um, like that one scene in Harry Potter where they had, you know, the 18 Harry Potters or whatever. I think they, you know, they did something like 92 takes, you know, just right. having all those different outfits doing those different things and how difficult that was for a single scene. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? Now to think about that is like long-term the parent trap where you just have this one guy playing all these different characters yeah you know in all these different interpretations and, and vocal styles and 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 looks and appearance and i i think that i'm not going to say it's impossible again but it would be very 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 difficult to replicate that type of interplay and like originality and unique character building that we get in animation simply because in the medium and how masterful is D. Bradley Baker for the last... Sorry, I always say Bradley D. Baker, so thank That's you okay. for correcting me every single how, time I say it. How masterful is it that since, what, 2008, so 15 years, mm -hmm. he's been every clone trooper, yeah. and I mean, and the Bad Batch is just like the boss level of this video game, because yeah. you have four or five clone troopers interacting every episode and it's like they're all the dialogue, you mm -hmm. know, it's not an episode of the Clone Wars where Maul is there and you're going to hear a ah! on the side. It's yeah. like Wreckers talking to Hunter and then Hunter's talking to Tech and then Tech is talking to Crosshair and then yeah. back to Wrecker. Like and it's and I, I would love to see like a 10 or 15 minute video of like what he does. Is he recording all of one person's lines? And then leaving space, I don't know how the freak he does it, but I I am mesmerized by that concept. Yeah. I would love to see how I, he does it at, when he's because I've seen him go through the voice ideas and the concepts for who they are and how they work. I would love to see him actually recording these episodes. 
Yeah. He is what um, that one priest thought he was when he was reading that excerpt of Genesis and switched into the falsetto for Eve. What? <laughs> what are you, you referring to? There, there was a church service where I think it was a uh, an ordination. And so they had like a guest speaker and he was a uh, Catholic clergy. And so he was just re- he was literally his his whole thing was just reading an excerpt of Genesis. And so he did the high pitch, you know, falsetto girly reading for Eve. I th- I still remember <laughs> the band being stuck on stage behind him and just like trying to maintain composure. And that's that's he that guy thought that he was D Bradley Baker. You know what I mean? That he was like, oh, yeah, they're they're really going to get involved here. They're going <laughs> to Genesis is going to come alive when I change my voice for Eve. Dude, um, I don't remember that at all. I'm so sad. I don't I'll, remember never that. For, I'll never forget that. Never, ever, ever. That's freaking but, funny. On that wavelength, we have the depth of knowledge and interaction with the clones. And I think that um, point four would be that it gives that reintroduction of character and development Uh for other characters that simply you don't have the screen time. So for me, um, like Order 66, the death of Plo Koon hits really, really, really hard after watching Clone Wars because he's just a random Jedi. You see him a couple of times in the background. You know, he looks cool. He's got these sick goggles. Maybe you can read his bio on the back of his, you know, card on on the Star Wars figure, you know, right. facing. But you don't get the depth of his wisdom and the role that he played in in Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi Wan's life, and you know how much interplay he really had with the Jedi Council and how influential he really was on all, all the goings on. And you know, you just have this fifteen second death clip. And the emotion simply isn't manufactured the same way without all that background that right. you have in the Clone Wars. I, I agree. And I think it's like – and it just – it expands the story of like, dude, if Qui-Gon and Plo Koon were mm-hmm. the ones talking to Yoda this whole time, maybe that Shroud of the Dark Side wouldn't have been as thick as if you had Mace Windu there who's much more devil may care, screw the rule – you know, screw everybody. We're, it, it, like – tendency to just like act first kind of thing if someone who's willing to sit back and evaluate the situation and wonder what's going on in the other person's mind like a Plo Koon did yeah. would the war have been completely different and you can't ask that question without knowing Plo Koon like you do after mm-hmm. the Clone Wars you don't even you would never know the rich sultry voice of Plo Koon without the Clone <laughs> Wars um, yeah. another character that that benefits immensely not just someone like Cad Bane who just came into existence in the Clone Wars, but a character that because he's in the movies and because you only have so much time and the story mm-hmm. is about Anakin Skywalker, Count Dooku of House Sereno just mm-hmm. seems like this old dude that gets introduced in episode two and you don't understand what's going on and who Sifo-Dyas is. And then he mm-hmm. dies first thing in episode three. And you probably <laughs> get like, honestly, what do you get? 15 minutes with them between the two movies? Yeah. Maybe. Um, I would, yeah, maybe 15, 20 minutes tops. And I right? think and that... half an hour at the absolute most between the two movies yeah. with Count Dooku. Yeah. One of the most, and we've said this a million times, one of the most tragic stories ever. And it keeps getting worse. Like the tales of the Jedi came out and uh it's like, holy crap, this guy was the picture of standing up against corruption, almost murders a guy for being corrupt. Actually kind of a cool Jedi. Yeah. Like literally why, why is Dooku not the Mace Windu on the council 
when clearly they they're the same rank at some point because they get sent on a mission mm -hmm. together as co-leaders of the mission why mm -hmm. is dooku not getting this nod and it, it clearly hurts him and it kind of pushes him further down a path uh just yeah. i mean characters like that and then like so the fourth point that you kind of started a second ago is the introduction and the reintroduction of characters that are going to play a larger role down the road so mm -hmm expanding a character like Plo Koon, expanding a character like Count Dooku, expanding a character um, like Kit Fisto, expanding mm -hmm. characters um, that even started an animation like an Asaz Ventress, who was just mm -hmm. a crazy bald chick from the original <laughs> Clone Wars that we never yeah. saw in, in, in episode one, two, or three. And now we know why she isn't in episode three because of the tragic life that she led that mm -hmm. ended in Dark Disciple, which we know became a novel. But for those who didn't know, which one of the greatest mm -hmm. novels released in recent history, Dark Disciple, focused on Quinlan Boss and Asajj Ventress. The crazy part is that book is actually based on a script written by mm -hmm. George Lucas's daughter. That was supposed to be produced for the Clone Wars before the Clone was Wars was, to be, was canceled yeah, originally. It was supposed to be the next season of Clone Wars before they kind of went back and, and redirected that part of the story. And I, when it was, I would I think it was love – I don't see it happening because of how complete everything is, but mm -hmm. I would love – maybe they just do – maybe they just do a series you know, called Dark Disciple and they yeah. can do four or five or six episodes and focus on that because yeah, we I get more be – we would get more Dooku. Quinlan, obviously, uh, I mm -hmm. think, has a role to play. You know, he's mentioned in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Maybe he'll make a, an appearance at some point. Um, but characters like Cad Bane that we never would have gotten, and then characters mm -hmm. like Thrawn, who were in Legends, who were a very niche character, that mm -hmm. now are going to be the main villain of the most anticipated series in years, the Ahsoka series. Um, we the vast majority of people aren't going to know who that is. And they name drop him in the Mandalorian to get the stoop, you know, boiling. Uh, but he's going to be fantastic. Like my, the, my hopes are through the roof for who Thrawn is going to be and how he's going to mm -hmm. be portrayed in the Ahsoka show. Um, very much hearing that he's kind of like the Thanos of the Mandoverse, you know, mm -hmm. and hoping a hundred percent that's the case. If you haven't watched star Wars rebels, you have a little bit of time to get into that series and you can, you can skip the clone wars. You can skip tales of the Jedi. You can skip a lot of stuff and just jump into rebels and catch up with the early stages of the rebellion. And you're going to become familiar with characters like Ezra, Sabine, Hera, um, people like that who are going to be heavily featured in the Ahsoka series. Mm -hmm. um, think about a character reintroduced, talk about reintroductions he, a character that got reintroduced, brought back 12 years ago, almost to the day this week, who we thought was just a wasted character from episode one, they ended up having one of the most complete story arcs in the history of Star Wars, Darth Maul. <laughs> yeah. Who, dude, think Incredible. about this. In 30 seconds, explain to me who Darth Maul is with and without animation. Uh, I mean... What he's just a he's just a, a part time villain. He I mean he's the general grievous of episode one. You know what I mean? Like he's just kind of this really cool villain. There's not a lot to him though. Um, 
but then with animation, you know, I, and they tie it obviously back into Solo. He's one of the most compelling villains. And I think he is the necessary counterpart to Kenobi, because even though you have Anakin, who's kind of his best friend turned greatest rival, if you can consider him a rival, um, Maul is really, I think, Kenobi's greatest villain. You know what I mean? So for Kenobi to be one of, in my opinion, one of, if not the greatest heroes in Star Wars, um, I, I think it's really powerful to have a character that kind of matches him mm-hmm. kind of step for step on the opposite end of the spectrum. Right. But I, and- I know that Filoni describes him as the Sisyphus of Star Wars, which is uh, kind of a super depressing. Characterization. <laughs> yeah. But it's so true. Like to have a character like Maul, who is so unassuming and is just like, even in the books, they in some of the earlier books before his character got expanded on, Plagueis, yeah, it was like he was kind of inept in the force side of things, strong enough mm-hmm. to be you know usable, but really kind of focused on the physical side of things. Mm-hmm. And then you get him back in Clone Wars, and you have Sam Witwer, who is a freaking just monster performer behind the mm-hmm. microphone, and he comes from mindless animal to he's a big enough problem that Palpatine's going to leave whatever the heck he's doing on the table for tonight so he can go and fix the issues that Maul and the in the Shadow Collective mm-hmm. are causing for this. I mean, Maul's character... You never is, hear Palpatine call anyone else a rival ever. Ever. Think about this, dude. Maul's character becomes so conniving and so powerful in his own right that he is on the verge of upending what has been culminating since Darth Bane thousands of years before the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how Palpatine impactful Palpatine doesn't Maul get his is. own hands dirty very often. No. You know what I mean? He, he and does that's not the, show out. That's the power of Star Wars animation. It mm-hmm. creates these narratives that we never would have gotten before. Uh, so Absolutely. I could go on for a million years about it. So <laughs> there's a lot to talk. I, about. I'm going to hand out this to you. The fifth and final point, we can expand on it and then we can bring this to a close. Yeah. So we've got here, uh, the animated shows have given us our best and deepest understanding of the force, uh, instance world between worlds. Uh, one of my favorite all times, the Mortis arc. Uh, if you ever find my apartment somehow on the dark web or something, <laughs> my, uh, my wifi is called Mortis. So obviously <laughs> pretty big, uh, pretty big thing in my mind. Um, we went referenced earlier the Bindu, or you have characters like the Loth Wolves, um, yes, wolves, uh, and just these—I don't know—it just these beings that interact with the Force in an intimate level um, that, for the sake of the story, could never ever happen in film. Right? Yeah, uh, it would never happen in a movie, and. Um, for reasons that we've mentioned, I think before in, in previous points, but really coming to what's maybe my all time favorite thing, because I'm such a big philosophical person. I love ideas and theories and I don't even like very non-concrete subjects. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars is so deep and rich in that subject matter, but it's so rarely broached in mainstream Star Wars content. So you don't get to have this conversation very often, but in animation, um, man, I mean, up until uh, episode eight, you don't see like really crazy off the wall stuff like teleportation or like astral projection, you know, right, you kind of right. see a taste of that. But 
I mean, up until then, the only taste that you were getting of that type of force aptitude was in old novels Mm -hmm. (laughs) until we got into the High Republic and then animation. Yeah. And it doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah, because like episodes four, five, and six, amazing lightning in a bottle experience, not a whole lot of Mm -hmm. force action going on. You have Sith lightning is probably the most powerful thing we've ever seen. And then in mm-hmm. episode one, one time on screen, you see Force sprint in the very beginning yeah. with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. I think it's the only time it ever, ever, ever only comes time up in the movies. We see it, right? But not not a deep, not a deep cut. It's a physical aspect. It's a physical yeah. using the force to aid you, right? Episode mm-hmm. two, nothing super crazy. Um, and then episode, you know, episode you two, you do get some Sith lightning. lightning. That was pretty sick. Right. You get some lightning action. Again, we're still talking about the physical sense, things that can be done mm-hmm. in the here and now. And then episode eight, just like you said, Ryan Johnson, let me tell you this. He's a fan. Okay. <laughs> and the, the hard part about The Last Jedi is a Star Wars fan got to make a Star Wars movie. So, of course, it would be semi-divisive because... He's making a Star Wars movie as a fan, right? So if you, you know, if you had Boba Fett, all of a sudden could use the Force, and they'd be like, written and directed <laughs> by Josiah Greer, right? Um, but kudos to him of all time. Kudos to to Ryan Johnson for when people were kind of giving him crap for what's this bullcrap, Luke? Did that stupid? Blah blah blah. There's mm-hmm. a video somewhere where he goes to his office and he goes up onto the bookshelf. He pulls off. The Book of Jedi um, from way back in the day when they had the Book of Jedi, the Book of Sith, or maybe it's called the Path of the Jedi. But you have the Book of Sith, uh, the, the the Mercenaries Guide, Imperial Handbook, stuff like that, like mm-hmm. guides for these different factions. And he pulls the Jedi Path off the shelf, opens it up, and shows you the Force ability that Luke is using in that scene, which mm-hmm. is – I was like, okay, helmet nod to you, sir. you did it um but in books and in animation are the only times we see some of these things Mm -hmm. um you know the loath wolves running and as the as lothal is tilting they're running into the earth and i i'm assuming into the cosmic force somehow Mm -hmm. to teleport essentially to somewhere else um you know this is something that if we get to see something like this in the Ahsoka show, if she ends up being there with Loth Wolves, if that's a part of the show or whatever, if that's the case, animation set that up to where those who have seen the show go, holy crap, that's the Loth Wolves that we saw right. in Rebels, you know, right? or, you know, the world between worlds having some background. Um, there's just same thing with the creatures and what they can do. Concepts can be put out there and. It's just as the people take it just as seriously for those who really love it, but the stakes mm-hmm. aren't quite as high because if you're watching the animated show, you're a, you're a Star Wars fan that wants to see more Star Wars and you're not going to be as critical as the surface level moviegoer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But yeah. dude, the Mortis arc and the balance of light and dark and the father mm-hmm. being the one that creates the balance and the opportunity yeah. being extended to Anakin, spoiler alert, to be the yeah. balance because he is the chosen one and not taking it and waking up and being like, what's going on 
and just the concept of like, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you take the chance? You could have yeah. saved the galaxy that way. Um, just some crazy amount of like um, the teachings between Canaan and uh, and Ezra, the teachings between uh, the, you know, the Bindu being this powerful being and Thrawn saying, what kind of Jedi devilry is this? You know, yeah. the force being used in, in just ways that we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. uh, that just makes sense because it's animation. And mm -hmm. so we'll wrap up with this, right? Cause we could go on for forever. Um, I feel like an hour and 15 minutes or so is, is that's a fair podcast amount. This, it's not the JRE. We're not going for three hours, so it's not that bad, but, um, I would say this, if you're an average star Wars fan and you want to know more and you're not ready to commit to checking every Wednesday morning to see what's coming out on the Marvel comics app, and you don't want to get into the books, you're not a reader and you don't like audiobooks and stuff, and you just want to find shows like nowadays, you're looking for the next thing to binge. Give Star Wars animation a try, and dude, you are not going to regret it. You like even the yeah. kiddier stuff is fun to watch, um, but it doesn't take long in yeah. Clone Wars and in Rebels and Tales of the Jedi, Jedi just jumps right in. Yeah, uh, I would start if, if I had to recommend, I sure. would just start Tales of the Jedi get that mm -hmm. out of the way because it I, I think it took me two hours to watch the whole thing yeah there's there's only um, six episodes that they're short you know 15 18 minutes and i think that really whets your appetite for what's to come mm -hmm. and then uh there's the movie there's the, the clone movie, wars movie clone wars that's kind of the prequel to the show introduces ahsoka you're a little bit lost without that and then jump in the clone wars there in my mind there is no better star wars animation than the clone wars right um I mean, the Rebels has some shining moments, um, definitely some standout moments, but you'll never, you'll never get better Star Wars than the Clone Wars. What's great between Rebels and Clone Wars, dare I say, the deepest Star Wars you're ever going to watch. Now, there's some books out there that, that are deep water, but mm -hmm. the deepest Star Wars you're ever going to watch is going to be animated. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I don't think it's an argument. I think that's just the yeah. way it is. And, um, well, it can't be argued because you have what? Um, let's be generous. Say each movie is three hours. Right. Okay. So, so you have nine movies and the two spinoffs. So hours. yeah, 33 hours total. And that's, you know, half of the Clone Wars. Yeah. Not including Rebels, Tales of the Jedi, yeah. you know, some stuff so, like that. I, and and that's I mean that's just main story. You've got to tell one arc in yeah. you know in that amount of time as opposed to multiple arcs over a great right. period of time. Right. The you know, you get the Pong Krell arc, which is oh, like F that guy. I was just raving about that earlier today. <laughs> you, you you get the Pong Krell arc in the Clone Wars, which is like you really get to see, you know, some crazy Thought-provoking stuff from the clones and their relationships to like, at what point do we not trust the Jedi? At what yeah, point do we have dark, to bro. do we have to kill this guy or arrest this mm -hmm. guy because he's doing the wrong thing? And it mm -hmm. kind of makes you it opens your eyes to the fact that besides the inhibitor chip, dude. I mean, yes, there are Jedi out there that can be corrupted, and what if they were yeah. all corrupted? And like it makes Order sixty six not so cut and dry. Oh wow, the clones mm -hmm. are robots and they got fooled. Like there's a deep philosophical divide in the clones right now mm -hmm. that we're seeing in Bad Batch unra unravel, and Star Wars animation brings all that to the surface. 
Yeah. I think even if you just wanted to understand Palpatine more, because he's necessarily elusive in the films, but he's right. got so much more depth in the Clone Wars. I mean, even like there's that arc where Yoda's trying to figure out, yes. you know, immortality essentially, and he goes uh, onto that Sith home world, and Palpatine senses it and pulls out some Sith sorcery. Like that's right, crazy, crazy, crazy. If you want, you get different... that in like very few books. Yeah, if you want different or crazier versions and styles and stories of the Force, it's there. If you want to understand mm -hmm. the creation of the clone army and who the freak Sifo-Dyas is, it's there. If you want to, mm -hmm. if you want a deeper relationship with some of these main characters besides the movies, and you want to have a deeper understanding for the relationship between Obi Wan, Anakin, Mace Windu, Yoda, all these characters, it's there. Mm -hmm. If you want to understand the beginnings of the Rebel Alliance and how did these ragtag random group of people eventually join up and be strong enough to take on an empire, it's there. Like there's His so name's much. Star Killer. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's so much to be had. Um, if you want to understand, like. Freaking just if you like Darth Maul at all, you got to get bit. into animation. And I'm sure there's like a website snakes that can eventually be twisted to your own uh, ends. It's there. Star Wars, the Clone Wars. And I'm sure like if you just want the Maul episodes, there's you Google it. I'm sure there's a list up there somewhere where someone's put a list together. They're... Watch this, this, yeah. this, this and this. And you can see Maul throughout the Clone Wars and Rebels yeah. from beginning to end. And it's, and you could watch that. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't Something have to cool. dive into a hundred hours of stuff, but if you want to cherry <laughs> yeah. pick, you can, if you want more Mandalorian lore and you love the Mandalorian and maybe that's your first star Wars, dude, the Clone Wars has so much Mando stuff. Yeah. Love it. So love it. Those five reasons. So a more star Wars is better. Star Wars B there's some crazy things that we could never get without animation. C, your relationship and your understanding of the clone troopers. D, introduction and reintroduction and depth of character. And finally, E or 5, we get the best and deepest lore on the Force itself in Star Wars animation. So if Hard those are five, if any of those five things are things that you're into, then you heard it here first. Star Wars animation is for you regardless of what you thought. So that's our take on it. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, if you would leave us a five-star review and a written review on Apple iTunes uh, podcast, we will read it on air. Uh, we've been a little bit dry lately. So oh, leave yeah. us a review. That's how people find Not out about wind. the show. Um, so check it out. Uh, give us a like and a follow on uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all that good stuff. And remember, the Force will be with you always. And also remember, in addition to that, the only family you have here is me. Take it easy. We'll see you next time. <laughs>